Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Starting this series about what did you say, talking about discerning God's voice, and today specifically about hearing the Holy Spirit. There is so much confusion going on. There's so uh, so much stuff where, like, uh, as soon as... Uh, we've had a lot of people ask, is like, hey, is it the end of the world yet? Um, and even just, like, we look, we're looking towards spiritual leaders to tell us what the heck is really going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of discernment or a level, level of sensitivity that we need to develop when it comes to hearing the Holy Spirit um, so that... We don't have to be um, like, yes, we need our spiritual leaders and, and it, they are God's gift to the church. Um, but there's still a level of discernment and, and um, sensitivity that each individual needs of the Holy Spirit that, yeah. that often people have but don't realize um, like what's going on. Yeah. And so um, re- I'm actually really excited about this today, too, because mm-hmm. I feel in my heart that Christians are so often more so concerned about what they need to repent of. Mm-hmm. It's like so many of us are so insecure with our faith. We feel like we're not good enough, we're not holy enough. And people are more so just so worried about, and, you know, am I, am I going to go to heaven <laughs> rather than what can I do for God's kingdom? What can I, who can I bring to heaven with me? Mm-hmm. They're, they're just worried about like barely skating in. And, and I really believe that God, even now, is, is calling people to rise up and stop being so timid and scared about His judgment over you or his, your, your faith that just put your trust in Jesus and start walking. And it's not as much about, again, last week we talked about how the American church has has become so me-focused. It's all about me. Do I get to go to heaven? Do Am I saved? And like, yes, that is, <laughs> those are valid questions deal. we want yeah. to know, <laughs> but the, it gets to a point where you have to move on. Like that's, that's the milk that a lot of times Christians talk about, like, oh, I, I, that church feeds too much milk. I need the meat. They don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. When, when people say that it, it, the, the meat is going on beyond repentance and it's just the practice of a Christian lifestyle. And part of that is hearing the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about three big things today. Um, we're going to talk about avenues. We're going to talk about alignment. And we're going to talk about activation. And so starting off with avenues. Avenues, when I say avenues, it's the avenues in which God speaks to his people directly. Not, not through somebody else. We'll be talking about that later this month. But I'm talking about speaks to his people directly. Mm-hmm. And these avenues are important to understand and be aware of so that you are open and ready to listen when he is trying to actually speak to you. And so some common, uh, some really well-known ones that, um, that are described in the Bible and um, starting off is uh, the audible voice. Now, uh, there's a lot of skepticism I recently found out <laughs> that people have about God's audible voice. Some people believe that that God doesn't speak to his people through an audible voice, um, if not ever, but definitely not now. Um, I I believe that everything that God has done in the Bible, he's willing to do today. And an example of an audible voice in scripture is actually Paul's conversion to Christianity. Paul, 
before he became a Christian, was named Saul, and he was persecuting the, the early church heavily, mm -hmm. bringing people to court, having them killed. I mean, he was, I mean, like, think about that, having them killed. I mean, yeah. people are flipping out right now just because people can't sing in church in California. Imagine if the governor was dragging people out or, and, and having them killed for their faith, similar to what's going on in China. Yeah. And, and, and that was Paul leading the crusade in that. And while he was walking to Damascus, he had this moment where light shone all around him and a voice called out saying, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? Like, why are you kicking against the thorn bush? And uh, at that moment, he became blind and uh, it led him to his conversion. But the, the point that we're focusing on is the audible voice that came and spoke to Paul. And it was Jesus himself speaking. Jesus is the Son of God. He, the Trinity is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God, the all in one. So God is speaking to Paul audibly to where in the Bible it says that his companions heard the voice. They didn't see the light, but they heard the voice. Mm -hmm. And so it's an audible voice that is heard. Now, when I look at Scripture, most of the times when it's an audible voice, it's God like just straight out correcting somebody, like rebuking someone. It, he doesn't often... Uh, like speak to people pursuing him in such clear ways <laughs> to where it's like, it's like one of those like big, huge stop sign, stop sign, uh, uh, right where you're at. Those are audible moments with God. Mm -hmm. Um, he also speaks through visions and dreams in Joel chapter two, verse 28 through 29. It says, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Mm. Talk about such an uh, inclusive God. Yeah. There's, uh, he says on your, when he says even on your servants, what he's saying there is that he's not going to just limit it to the Levites or yeah. the priesthood, that he's going to pour it on even the lowest, uh, the lowest ranking people, he will speak to them directly. Yeah. That even a, a, a servant could be uh, spoken to and prophesied on behalf of God. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's how universal God is making his spirit. Yeah. And men and women alike, he's unifying um, the human race to where he's saying, it doesn't matter your gender, you, you will speak on my behalf. I will pour my spirit on you. That's so uh, I love that verse for when people... Uh, believe that women can't talk in church and stuff like that yeah. because God consistently shows his heart um, of all men be, you know, all men and women being created equal whether gender race etc he shows it so time and time again his heart for humanity to be united yeah. um, but to going back to the av this avenue of visions and dreams when he says your old men will dream dreams it, it doesn't say that old men will dream as if like old men stop dreaming mm -hmm. saying dream dreams like dream specific dreams that speak um that are speaking something that is that is in, needs interpretation yeah. and uh, when he says your young men will see visions it means like wide awake uh and seeing visions being given visions from god and so these things in the bible they they are real and god speaks to his people like that um real quick before we go into the main one we're going to talk about today i want to just say hi to a couple people um julian edward tamara thank y'all for watching in the other room sarah owens it's good to see you on there um love you uh lucy glad you could be a part we miss you uh harry i see you there what's up good to see you good afternoon church um 
in a social life. I, come on now, come and represent. <laughs> I saw Crystal and Mallory. Hey, hey, Ariana, oh, yeah. welcome. Yeah, represent Ma- uh, Mallory. Thanks for the. I think Jacob the and Anna. The good day. to see y'all. Uh, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was yeah, good. Thank you. Um, so good to see all you guys. We love y'all. Um, and so the one, the last one that we're going to talk about. I'm not saying it's limited to these. These are the some main mainstream ways of God communicating, but the last one is unctions of the heart or spirit mm-hmm. unctions of the heart or spirit and so i want to be really specific here at, um and i hope that I, are, I that i'm able to explain this well when i'm talking about the unction of the spirit or an unction of the heart i feel like this is the most common way that god speaks to his people um and it the best way i can describe it is that it is not an emotion but it is similar to a gut feeling mm-hmm. And it's similar to a gut feeling that it is almost, it's also almost an articulated sentence that has no explanation of being aroused. So it's like a gut feeling that sounds like an articulated sentence that has no explanation of where it came from. Mm. Um, a, a, A very, like, I feel like the most recent thing that I could use to describe it is that um, about a month ago, I, I felt like an unction in my heart that me and Lauren needed to pray about whether or not I should continue doing a certain ministry. And it was like very specific and it kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, I don't really know where this came from. It was just random. And it was like, like I'm saying, a gut feeling and it was a full sentence. And so we were praying about it for a whole month. And then all of a sudden I get a call about uh, with that ministry and it it just gave clear direction of of a different path that needed to be made. And it was like, some it was an unction of the Holy Spirit, God leading us, God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit a month before and preparing us to where when it happened, it was no surprise we were already ready for it. Yeah. And that was a, a simple thing being led by the Spirit. Um, and, and that's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. And we often want or even expect God to speak in very loud and clear ways. But even Jesus on earth spoke to people through parables rather than clear directions. I really think that the reason God speaks to his people like this is because it helps bring about our true heart on matters rather than being motivated by fear or self-preservation. It's like if Jesus was just so abundantly clear about who he was and judgment of the earth, I mean, uh, it's like why would we why would we not want to go to jail like like you know why would we want to go to hell of course we'll follow you but the way that he did it let led people to to really find pure motives in following Jesus in that time and, and that's how we see it even now and so I feel like that's why God is kind of is like vague in how he speaks to us because it brings out a genuine authentic heart in in that mm-hmm. um and the, the final idea I want to share behind this is when Elijah is crying out for God's direction in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 13. Let me just read it real quick. Uh, it says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the, the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was... There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the fire, there was a sound of a, uh, and then there was a fire. And after the, but he was not. Sorry, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, 
He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this whole imagery is very prophetic. And it shows how we often expect God to speak to us by shaking the foundation, by shaking the mountains, by bringing a huge windstorm, by by a fire just making it so bright and clear that's distinguishable Mm -hmm. but after all that it was with the gentle whisper that god was speaking and it it's so often that we um we expect it this loud clear way but god he chooses to speak to us in the most gentle whisper to where only if we're really listening that we'll be able to hear that voice and so with with all that being said talking about these avenues lauren what are your thoughts about everything we just shared yeah um i feel like this was really good and um made things really clear and there's really two things that um stood out to me as you're sharing all this and and the second one when you're talking about dream uh, visions and dreams and the part where it says i will pour out my spirit even on servants and then men and women alike but especially the part where it says even on servants and i feel like um, I feel like when it comes to hearing God's voice, the enemy tries to whisper these lies yeah. to really deceive us and, and to lead us away from hearing him, if that makes sense, to make it confusing, to make it, you know, us so unsure of like, is God speaking? How is he speaking? Who does he speak to? But what popped out to me here is, like I said, even on servants is the lie that a lot of us believe that God only speaks to um, the big pastors, you know, or Joel Olstein, you know, funny joke, but uh, God only speaks to people like that. God only speaks to the, the, the ones that read their Bible every day. God only speaks mm. to those super Christians that I can never be. I don't know. Um, you know, God only speaks to, to my mom or God only speaks to this person because, oh man, if you met them, they're like, they're just like an angel, you know? And so my point is with that is like so many times we think God only speaks to what we see and what we look at as the ones that um, are the better Christian. Mm. Um, but the truth is, is that God speaks to all of us alike, even the servants. And so even for us, like, you know, starting our walk with Jesus or, um, you know, whether our position is this or this, whatever it looks like to our eyes, God has no favorites. Yeah. And he speaks to the, the pastor that's been a pastor for 20 years and the person who gave their life to Christ, you know, this past Saturday, yeah. you know, uh, and it's not about like how many years you have in or how super Christian you are, but it's all about the heart. And what we're talking about today is learning how to hear his voice, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and so even as a new Christian, when you begin to learn, like, this is how God speaks, like, these are the avenues this is you know how i can receive and be ready for it like god will speak so i just feel like you know one thing like there is those lies that we believe that they only speak to so and so but god will speak to to all of us um and then also you know we're talking about like you're talking about the different avenues and we you listed a couple and those are some of the main ones that you know i also know as well and there's different ways god can do anything but what you know two things all of us i feel like always want to hear god's audible voice you know i just want to hear because why because it's like i hear it loud and clear it makes sense he was specific i heard him good there it is like i I don't even need faith for that i don't need faith but (laughs) it's true i mean like yeah that would be crazy but the truth is is what i've learned so far in this journey of like learning to hear God's voice and, and you know, um, what all that entails is that God, so many times we try to put God in this box and we say, okay, God, I'm praying you, praying to you and I'm seeking you for this answer or for guidance or this. Okay. Amen. Okay. Now you're waiting. And as soon as you open your eyes, you're looking around like, 
is it 11 11 oh man that was god like you know i'm joking but or you know or um just random signs you know or we think okay i'm gonna open the bible and there it is does god do that sometimes sure why not it's happened to me before randomly but what i'm trying to say is we put god in this box and we are open our eyes to specific ways that we're expecting him to speak mm -hmm. and we think okay now i'm waiting for him to speak and this is what it's going to look like in here so that's what i'm opening my eyes to but i feel like as we begin to dive into like discerning god's voice we have to take those boundaries off like we have to take those ideas that we have off and allow god to speak to us in the way he chooses to just like with elijah you know he was like oh is he in the wind is he in the earthquake is he in the fire and so many times we're like oh is he here is he there is he there is he here and he was in the least expected place in that whisper and so i feel like there's been times where i've gotten so frustrated because i'm expecting him to speak in a certain way and then i'm like he's not talking to me he's not answering me yeah. i'm not hearing from god i'm so frustrated when I realized that, wait, he was speaking, but I, I was blind to the way he was speaking to me because I was expecting him to speak in a different way than he chose. You know, so God will choose the way he needs to speak to you. And it's always going to require faith. You know, when he speaks, like the enemy's always going to be like, are you sure that was him? <laughs> but when you begin to learn how these avenues work how to discern it then the more confident you become like yeah devil that was god obviously like you know i know and so you begin to learn and recognize his voice and then you begin to become more and more confident in the fact that that was god and he chose to sp speak to me in this way and so yep those are some thoughts i had you know, I, I really like what you're saying, Lauren, about um, especially about how we try to put God in a box. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many times I've heard uh, Christians that have gone to church long enough to say, well, I'm putting a fleece before the Lord. And it's a, the idea that I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, so God, if you want th me to do this, then cause this to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. something like that. I've been there too. Um, mm -hmm. Like if he's the one, cause him to wear a blue sweater. Right. Something stupid That'd like that. That'd be crazy. Um, <laughs> Uh, story for another day <laughs> but uh a lot of times uh christians do that to supplement their lack of faith and yeah. god speaking to them mm -hmm. and i really feel like it leans more on the side of testing god trying to force god's hand and he's already spoke to you he already made it clear and you're trying to force his hand to talk to you in an additional way to yeah. confirm something and i believe that god is very merciful and that he that he still is you know, we'll do it on, you know, based off of his judgment and yeah. mercy. But I really feel like so many times we choose not to obey a calling of God because we didn't have our fleece met or because yeah. um, really because we didn't have faith to do it. And we felt like, you know, even though that fleece wasn't met or said, oh, if he wears this or that, then I'll do it. And then that doesn't happen. And you you're either disobedient anyway, or you end up, um, just not answering the call yeah. and so i really feel like today is going to help us to better just listen to the holy spirit um, rather than trying to add additional restrictions onto god yeah um and so let's get into alignment alignment what we're going to talk about here is aligning yourself to be ready and positioned to hear from god and then learning to develop your listening sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about three people um, in the Bible that hear from God. And I believe that these three people are, are really cool stories that give us insight on um, how, how we are aligned to hear God correctly. Um, so first we're going to look at Samuel. 
Samuel, it, uh, we, we can find him in 1 Samuel, oh, Old wow. Testament, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. And Samuel was the, the son of Hannah who was praying for a child um, for, for a long time. And she made a promise to God saying, God, if you give me the child I've been praying for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretty much donate him to the temple to be a priest the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it sounds weird, but it was, you know. Dedicate him. Yeah. Dedicate him. That's where <laughs> child dedications come from, I guess. Um, very different back then compared to now. Yeah. Um, so here he's a boy. He's living in the temple being a, 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 like a, just a permanent uh, priest servant in the, in the temple. And it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli or Ellie, however you want to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, Mm -hmm. and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Ellie, uh, sorry, Eli, Mm -hmm. uh, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli, here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did, and then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Sam, uh, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. And so there's a lot of things I want to point out in this in this scripture context. Before getting into the the actual spot that Eli, uh, sorry, that Samuel was in, I want to point out that it's talking about how in those days, me- the messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And in those times, it consistently says throughout Scripture that people did whatever they wanted, that they didn't follow God in their hearts, mm-hmm. that they're just like they already had left God. Um, and it says, and what I'm getting at is that messages from God are often dependent on the heart searching for him. Yeah. If we do not have humble hearts, um, those messages and encounters with God become quite uncommon, just like in the scripture here. Yeah. And when it says that Eli was blind, this was actually prophetic um, to the fact that he was blind to his once strong convictions and faith. Um, later in the story, you see how, how desensitized he's become to the Holy Spirit to the the laws of God to where even the message that is given to Samuel later on is actually judgment on uh, Eli, and the the fact that saying that he he was um, that he was blind is showing this uh, just how much he does not see God in his life anymore. And when it's when it says that he had already went to bed, it it I feel like what it's really saying is that he already uh, went to bed a long time ago. When it came to seeking God, when it came to living out his role as a priest, that he's already put that to rest a long time ago. And so he's not living um, in the lifestyle or the position that he's supposed to be in. He's not aligned to hear from God himself. Yeah. And the some other like just interesting parts of the scripture is that the it says that the light had not come yet gone out. So what it's showing is that it's it's late at night. Um, getting close to morning and the 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 candlesticks that they would light they would stay on all the way till morning um and so it's like the like what what it's showing is that even in the darkest hour that there's that the light of God is still there mm-hmm. and when it's saying that um 
and it's also symbolic of how the torch was being passed to, to Samuel from Eli. Um, these are all just extra credit points. <laughs> but now to the main part about Samuel himself. It says that he was sleeping in the tabernacle. What, what this shows is that Samuel obviously has um, a humble heart in this, that he's just getting up and he, he's literally in the role of a servant. He's not a priest, and he's, but he's a servant getting messages from God while the priest is not. Again, it's like even that prophetic verse in Joel talking about how he'll pour out his spirit on even the servants. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, what I see that is symbolic about Samuel being able to being aligned to receive this message is that he was resting in the tabernacle. He was really resting in God's presence. That that's what the tabernacle represented. Mm -hmm. And being able to find rest in God's present is presence is what's positioned him to receive the message. It's not as much at, at sometimes it's not as much as what we do or the times that we perform for God as it is about the times that we rest in him, yeah. the times that we trust in him rather than just trying to do all these little things yeah. and understanding and hearing God's voice is something that, that really has to be, um, uh, what we see is that it has to be developed once initiated or received. Samuel didn't even know that he was hearing from God. He kept yeah. thinking that it was Eli over and over. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's showing us that God may be speaking to you and you not even realize it. Yeah. Uh, and what I believe in this moment is that, you know, there's only so much that we can derive from this context. But I feel like if this was an audible voice moment, that it would have woken up Samuel too. Um, just like with Paul, it, all of his companions could hear it. I believe that this was something that was like an unction really deep and very clear in Samuel's heart, uh, in his spirit, to the point where it's like right when he's falling asleep is when he hear, you know, he's, hears this arousing again to get up and listen. Um, and so uh, all of that is really debatable and skeptical, but, uh, you know, depending on how you look at the context. But the main point that that we're deriving out of the scripture is when we rest in God, when we trust in him, that even no matter what dark hour comes, yeah. we find rest in him that we can even just like Jesus, like fall asleep in the boat during the storm. Yeah. That's resting in God's presence. Even when all hell is breaking loose around you, yeah. um, that is an alignment that we can have resting in him to where it really positions us to where we're not, where our thoughts and our spirit, our heart is not crowded out by stress and anxiety. All those things are like uh, worry is like a blockade to our spirit, to where we're not able to hear as clearly because those thoughts are and those worries are so loud. Finding rest in God is almost like the first stepping stone in in being able to practice listening to the Holy Spirit and what He's saying. Um, how do you feel about Samuel in this in this context? Yeah, I mean, I really like that point. Um, I feel like um, two things like that. It's so common, just like for Samuel, he, he didn't yet recognize God's voice. So therefore, when God was actually calling out to him, he, was, he thought it was somebody else. And I think so many of us find ourselves in that place. You know, like we're wanting to hear God and all along he really is. And we always doubt that he wants to talk to us or he is talking to us. But the truth is... It, the truth is, is that he is, but for us, just like for Samuel, he has to begin to learn to recognize what that voice sounded yeah. like. He had to align himself and, and, and to be ready to receive it. And so, you know, 
you know, enough of us doubting that God's speaking. Look, he is speaking and he's calling out and he wanted to talk to Samuel. He wants to talk to you and he's calling you. So now for our part, what do we need to do? Okay, like, what does God sound like? You know, like, how do I recognize? How do I get in this place where I can hear him? And I feel like I love this part about Samuel because really dwelling in his presence, resting in him so many times. All of us know, you know, life is crazy and um, all of our schedules look different. Some you're able to work from home now. Some you still have to go out. I don't know. Or you're running after kids all day. Who knows? But it's a busy life. But we have to really take a moment. Even the smallest moment can make a difference. But take time to rest in God, to dwell in God, just like Samuel. No, he was in God's temple just chilling. You know, I'm sure uh, not just like chilling, like whatever, but like, like my point is, is like with God, you know, and so sometimes even for us, like in our crazy days with, you know, being a parent and, and it's, it's chaotic sometimes, like God's really helped us find a way to have moments with him. And, and it's, it's become smaller moments than those bigger, long moments when I, we could, when, you know, we didn't have as much responsibility. So my point is, is how important it is to know that he is calling you and to really begin to learn and recognize his voice. And that sometimes starts with just resting in him getting yeah. all the noise out of your head and of your life and taking a moment to hear him yeah. and um, it makes a difference and so yeah definitely I really love what you're saying and um, I want to also point out that right after this this uh, part of the story it, it says that Samuel called out um, speak your servant is listening and what I love about that is that it's so many times we're like well is this God and this scripture is just showing us like ask God if it's God, yeah. you know, pray about it. And and just like what I shared earlier, we felt something like a really clear unction in our heart and we prayed about it, you know, uh, for a month and it just and the answer came so clearly. Yeah. And and so, you know, for you, if you're really doubting or wondering, really just ask God to make it clear and, and he will. And there's part of where faith is involved and you have to just start walking, but there you, we really need to stop going to the pastor first to confirm what God is speaking to us or, you know, trying to just ignore it altogether. Um, let's now look at Cornelius. Cornelius is actually the first Gentile convert in the book of Acts. And in chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, we see the beginning of his story. It says, In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said, dot, dot, dot. Um, And so what is really um, specific about Cornelius is that Without truly knowing God himself, I mean, he doesn't even know who Jesus is yet, but he just has this idea of God, mm-hmm. this idea of the God of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And he so believes in his heart that this is the God and he just knows it. Mm-hmm. And even with just a general understanding, which is where a lot of us in America are, is that we have this general understanding of God. We don't really know him personally, but we know that he's there and like I I know that like he wants me to be good. That's pretty much like every American's general understanding of the Christian God. And what makes 
him, uh, what made him so aligned to have this, this, this amazing message uh, to be able to listen to was his righteous acts. It's one thing to know, to have that in our hearts, but what Cornelius did is that he really acted on it. Mm-hmm. He, it starting off with the fact that it says that he was devout, what that means is that he was devoted in his mind and his actions. Mm-hmm. He, he was really taking serious this idea of God that he didn't, this God that he didn't even know, but he knew that it was the God. It says that he was God-fearing. What that means is that he, uh, because he believed in God, he was God-fearing. That's where, like, a lot of Americans drop off right there. Yeah. Uh, and this idea of God-fearing is not the idea of, like, I'm terrified, shaking in my boots of the thought of God. Yeah. What it means is that he, uh, he's a person that uses discretion. He doesn't just say anything that comes to mind because he believes he's going to be held accountable to every word he says. It means that he has integrity and believes that God's justice and judgment will one day come. That's what God-fearing means, is that he has a fear of God's judgment, and so he lives the best he can to be a good person, live a righteous life, rather than being wicked. When it says that all of his household was the same, meaning that everyone in his household was God-fearing and and devout, you know, I feel like I really identify with this part, because what it shows is that he was was uh, was a man for his family. And that he was truly a family man and didn't neglect the responsibility of leading and loving as a father and a husband. For his whole house mm-hmm. to, to be God-fearing and devout like that, that meant that he was really leading them. I mean, as a father of, I don't know, like 10 kids, <laughs> it's really hard to lead a, like a house like that. And it takes responsibility and action yeah. to lead and love my family well to be anywhere close to that. And, so, and when, when men don't, their children do not follow that at all. They just do whatever the hell they want. And, and you know, it, it takes just intentionality. Uh, it says that he gave generously to the poor. What is really important about this is, is that it shows that he would, uh, not only that he was generous, but the fact that he gave to the poor showed that he truly trusted God to repay him, which is faith. That takes faith to believe that when you give to the poor, that God is the one that sees. Because it, it means that rather than simply, uh, uh, it means that he was choosing to trust God and give to the poor rather than giving or donating to more, import, uh, more not important things, but more uh, highlighted or sociable things. That uh, he was not looking to simply be recognized or get favor by bribes or uh, being, giving gifts to organizations. And it could even mean that possible tax breaks. I mean, there's some, there's a lot of people that are generous today mainly for tax breaks or mainly to connect with other organizations. But when you give to the needy, to the poor, um, there's not really any financial return in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is just pure generosity and faith that God sees you. And so that's what makes it really special um, that he gave generously to the poor. It showed a humble heart. And it also showed a compassionate heart, a merciful heart. And then finally it says that he prayed regularly. This consistency of prayer shows genuine humility and great faith rather than just an emotional experience or circumstantial episode of uh, desperation. Mm -hmm. That's what most people experience when coming to God in church is an emotional episode or a circumstantial 
a, a circumstantial moment of desperation to where they're really just going for God because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. The fact that he prayed regularly, it shows that consistency in faith rather than just a bump in the road of life. Yeah. Um, and so these, these different things are, are what give us kind of like a, an example to follow when it comes to trying to align ourselves as just really living righteously, um, being devout, being God-fearing, not uh, having integrity, not, not being mean to people, knowing that God has justice, um, leading our household, giving, uh, being generous, especially to, to those in need, praying regularly. These are not big, like, theological viewpoints. These are, like, the basics of being, like, what, what the Bible describes as being a religious person. Not what true religion is. Not what the fake religion is that Jesus uh, called out as being hypocritical. Um, and so, these righteous acts is what... what align Cornelius what do you think about Cornelius in this part of the story yeah um to me like when I think of him and like what you're sharing it makes me think of this verse that says those who diligently seek him will be rewarded Mm. and and so it makes me think of like for him he was diligently seeking not God not just occasionally not just here or random acts like we talked about but he diligently decided like I want to live for God Um, as much as he knew God at that point like he with what he had and what he knew he took that and devoted himself to God Um, out of a heart and a desire to not out of obligation it doesn't sound like because he was just like this religious showy person who wanted to look good before people but his heart genuinely just wanted Wanted to be devoted to God in the way that he could in that part of his journey and in doing so he was rewarded you know to me I recognize hearing from God and even the situation with the angel coming to speak to him a message from God to me that sounds like a great reward you know you're seeking, seeking, seeking. It says, when you seek, you will find. You know, so he's seeking God diligently and he finds what he needs. I'm I'm sure in his moment in that life, he needed that. You know, God knew what message he needed to hear at that moment in his life. So God sent an angel to do it. And if you read the story in Acts, I'm sure you'll find out the rest of it. But what's really cool is that, you know, um, because of his diligence in seeking God in that part of his life and journey with whatever he knew of God, that God rewarded him with um, just speaking to him in a, in a miraculous, cool way. And so, you know, um, that's what it makes me think of, just like his acts and like was highlighted to God in a sense. God yeah. has no favorites. He'll talk to anyone. But sometimes when we, you know, we have that heart to like really seek after him, like God's like, okay, like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like I, I would like to reward you in this way or this way. Um, and, and in that story, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I like what Lauren even like touched on too, is that it, his, these actions show a consistency. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, I need to get right with God. I'm going to start giving, you know, here and there. It, it, like that never lasts. It's like, you can't do, you can't decide like, I want to be a good person the way that you like start a new diet. Mm-hmm. to where like you try it out for like a couple days a couple weeks maybe but then you just go back to normal no this was a, a lifestyle for Cornelius yeah. um, and it's what set him up to really hear um, to be able to hear from God and what the angel did was tell, told him to send for Peter which who we're going to read about right now um, for Peter to give them a message of salvation because angels aren't uh, from what we see in scripture angels aren't permitted to speak the gospel message only we as humans get that privilege um, and so now going on to Peter, the last person in this story, 
is uh, we're going to look at how he was ready to obey. That when, when he was listening for God, he was ready to obey God. And it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 20, um, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were, uh, were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was very hungry. Some people believe that he was fasting. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if the God, if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What, uh, what could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's home. Uh, standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, again, when the Holy Spirit speaks, that is not an audible voice. When audible voices, it says God spoke. Mm. Um, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. In this moment, the reason that Peter would especially hesitate is because they were Gentiles and Jewish people were not supposed to associate with the Gentiles. And so in this story, Peter goes down and he immediately does what he felt the Holy Spirit saying. And I really feel like just to, um, this is a really simple way to end on this point, is that Peter was so ready to obey God's unction, the Holy Spirit's leading before even understanding what the vision meant. He, didn't even, he was still thinking about it. He was still perplexed. He still was confused. And, but even while being confused and not fully understanding it, he was willing to obey it. That is an incredible display of willingness. And it was because of that raw, no need for explanation willingness that God consistently spoke to Peter yeah. and used him as the spokesman, the spokesperson for Pentecost. It was Peter that was the spokesperson for the, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit back at Pentecost. And it was because of that raw willingness to just obey, to obey whatever God was telling him to do. You can follow that all the way back to when Jesus told Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water. Yeah. And just that raw, no need for explanation faith, he went out and did it. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's not much, I feel like there's not really that much more explanation that's needed for this part of Peter. It's just that if we want God to speak to us, then we have to be willing and ready to obey whatever God's direction is. Be ready to listen and, and act. And I feel like so many times God doesn't speak to us sometimes is because he knows we're not going to answer it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because he already told us a couple times and we stifled the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We ignored the Holy Spirit. And we're like, oh, I don't like that. I don't really feel good about yeah, that. That's yeah, kind of scary. Yeah. That's intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so that we've already we've already ignored it. And the Holy Spirit will not kick a dead horse. It, it, he'll give us chances and grace, yes. But um, we need to be align ourselves by being really willing and ready to act and obey whatever the, the Spirit is leading. And when we do that, the Spirit speaks a lot more frequently frequently to us um what are your thoughts on this final person yeah i mean i love uh like all the stories of peter in the bible because i feel like just that is the essence of who he is he's always ready 
to act. He's always just so ready to follow God in crazy ways, and it, it, it's wild. And what I was thinking is like, wow, like what would make me so ready to trust God or trust somebody when they tell me something? And I feel like the word is trust, you know? Yeah. I feel like Peter, he didn't need explanations from God about how will I walk on water if you tell me to? How is that going to work exactly? You know, he just did it. Or with this, like, okay, he saw the vision. Okay, like, okay, whatever you're telling me to do, God, I'll do it. Instead of saying, you know, before even understanding it. And I see that, like, in every part of his journey in life. Yeah. And it makes me think of us, like, you know, the more that we trust God, the 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 easier it is to just be ready and willing to obey him. You know, it makes, for me, it might be a silly example, but, like, it makes me think of two different people in your life. One, you may not trust, you kind of, you know, maybe they're kind of wishy-washy and they're like, hey, you know, girl, like, you shouldn't date that guy. Like, you know, I don't know. I just have weird vibes, you know. And then you're like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out on my own. But then you're, maybe your grandpa, who's an awesome man, who's, who has a lot of wisdom, you know, I feel like in my life, if my grandpa looked at me and said, you know, Mm-mm, honey, like, trust me, you know, this is not this, I see this path and you're better than that. And kind of when I would trust him and really trust the instinct and, and his character and his wisdom and really go with that, you know? And so I know that's a silly example, but it just makes me think of the difference between not trusting someone and trusting someone. And when you trust God, I feel like you're so much more willing to obey even without an explanation. Um, And so, yeah, that's what makes me think of Homer. Yeah, it's like providing reliability to to answer the call. And if I could share a short story when I feel like God spoke something to me, like early on in my faith. I'm not trying to say that I'm so great at hearing the Holy Spirit or obeying. But I remember when I was first listening to the Holy Spirit and trying to understand I remember one moment where I was praying like really, really fervently for God to speak to me. And I was like, I just want to hear you and yeah. um, your direction and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, like during worship in my room, um, I, I think I was 19 at the time. All of a sudden, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying like, okay, then do uh, start doing push-ups. And I was like, what? And I felt I was because I was praying that I wanted to be more obedient. Yeah. I wanted to be obey the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, okay, then do push-ups. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I started doing push-ups, and then it, it turned into jumping jacks, and I did a whole workout routine. Like, and I was like sweating, like, oh my gosh. Like, and I, and I, the, while I was doing them, I was puzzled and confused, like, well, why am I doing this? And, and then it was at that moment, like after I was like sweating and exhausted, that I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me saying, if you could be, uh, this is what it's like to practice obedience is, is when you don't need an explanation, like to just do something that seems even like stupid. Things. Yeah. It, to, to where it's something insignificant or even stupid to you when you're willing to do that, then I can trust you in bigger things. That's good. Yeah. Um, and it was a moment that God really spoke to me about this, uh, this attitude and heart of being aligned in willingness. Yeah. And so that leads us to our last point. We're going to wrap things up. And this last one is activation. And what we're really going to share in this last scripture is being activated in a spirit-led walk to where your faith is in the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life as you look to be fruitful in Christ. That's really what it's about being led by the Spirit is being activated in a spirit-led life that is fruitful for Christ. Being spirit-led is not about which car to buy. Mm. I'm sorry. It, 
I mean, God gives wisdom, yeah, but like at the end of the day, like is that really making a big difference for the kingdom? <laughs> we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us in really stupid stuff. And we often, we rarely ask him to lead us into like actually making a difference for the kingdom of God. It's time for us to get out of ourselves and start thinking about the kingdom, about yeah. others. Stop thinking about your promotion, but how you can be a promotion to somebody else. Mm. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26, I'm going to just warn you guys, this is pretty like heavy-duty scripture, but I think it's necessary when talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. I like how just right off the bat, though, it's like, we're like, God, I want to be led by your Spirit. Uh, I, I have such a problem with sin. Like, how do I get rid of this sin? And it says, if you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, you won't be doing everything that your sinful nature craves. Mm -hmm. um, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Doesn't that sound like a lot of like church right now? <laughs> uh, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Rip. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So there's a lot of a lot of content, right? Yeah, it's good. Um, and there's a lot that I want to point out, but first I want to just show that what it's describing is the two forces at work within us as Christians. Okay. If we're not, it, it's not, this is directed to Christians. So this force that's talking about like good and evil spirit and flesh is, is not applicable to anyone that doesn't have the Holy spirit. But as Christians, it's the spirit and the flesh. And there's an emphasis on the comparison of being led by the spirit versus being led by your, your sinful desires. Meaning that one could say that the two are similar in feelings of direction. Mm. If he's comparing being spirit led by being sinfully led, it means that they, they are comparable as feelings, mm. that you could confuse them as being one or the other. Perhaps one is more of an impulse while the other is more of an unction. Yeah, okay, like jealousy, that's an impulse, that's not an unction. Yeah. Suspicion, that's impulse out of insecurity, that's not an unction of discernment. Yeah. Okay, and, and so I really believe that if we do not really sharpen our listening skills, it's so easy to just go by our emotions and our impulses 
to where we're just living a very critical, uh, mean Christian life to where we just are rude to people and think we're being spirit led and we're saying, well, I'm just being real. Mm. It's like, no, you're just being really rude and that's <laughs> not spiritual. Yeah. Um, you're, you're just being mean <laughs> and that's not spirit led. Um, and so it's so important to be, to be mindful that the, your flesh, your sinful nature can play tricks on you to make you think that you're doing something for God, just like uh, Paul. He was killing people thinking that he was doing it for God, yeah. but it was his sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also where it says that um, living that sort of life, uh, when it's saying anyone that's living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I think it's parts like that to where uh, mean Christians are like, see, you're going to hell. Like, you're not going to, no liar will inherit the kingdom of God. And it's like, okay, well, everyone's lied, so I'll see you there. <laughs> but it, what, it's, what he's saying, living that sort of life, it's implying more of a lifestyle than simply a mistake or a one-time decision. You know, we, we have a lot of things that we regret and we look back on like, man, why did I do that as a moment of weakness rather than like a swan dive into lifestyle of like repetitive and habitual sinful things. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I really feel like I need to emphasize that so that uh, those of you guys that are like, maybe some of you are like, oh shoot, I need to change some stuff. <laughs> but there's some of y'all that y'all are doing good. Just chill out. Like you, do your best and forget the rest. <laughs> um and then when it says that uh, this part is, I feel like, really taken out of context a lot. It says that they have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. A lot of people take that and say, like, well, th- like, I can't even be me anymore. I, like, it means anything good I have to nail to the cross. No, it's saying sin- uh, th- that of sinful nature, yeah. the-, the desires and passions of sinful nature it doesn't mean all desires, all passions. It doesn't mean your dreams. It doesn't mean your aspirations. It doesn't mean uh, good things. It's saying of sinful nature. That's what we are crucifying. That is what we are repenting of. Um, and then finally, just really to, to close, is that the overall goal is for us to become sensitive to how the Holy Spirit talks to us so that we can follow its leading at the drop of a hat in every area of our lives, at every area of our lives, whether it's, uh, whether it's in go- going to church, what church you go to, listening at church, whether it's uh, to talk to someone or pray with someone, or whether it's in our marriage, being spirit-led in our marriage, being spirit-led as parents, being spirit-led in our careers, at our workplaces, or our career choices, being spirit-led while driving. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, this is, this is really incredible that Paul is saying in all areas of your life, being spirit-led. And I wanted to share like as a closing thought to this, being, is saying spirit-led in all areas of your life. I think so often we're waiting for an aha moment for like a cloud to come down. It's like, this is your chance. Like do something great for God. And it's not like that. It's really not. It's in the simple, seeming, uh, seemingly unimportant moments that God wants to use you in a powerful way to make a difference. And I, I just, I got to share this story because it was really cool. Um, there, there's somebody that, um, uh, that, that started watching on our, on our, uh, podcasts and our videos and I didn't recognize him. I was like, man, who is that guy? And, 
And so I reached out and I said, hey, I noticed, um, I noticed that you've been uh, connected and um, I just wanted to say thank you and wanted to ask how you heard about us. And he, he just, it was so cool because he said, hey, uh, well, I don't know if you remember, but I was your Lyft driver several months ago um, and I took you home. And, and I, rem- I at that moment, I remembered exactly who he was. And I remember praying for his niece. And it was just like a moment where like sharing faith. And it was just like an edifying conversation. And it was just like, I remember feeling uh, at the time I just got out of the from the airport, I was super tired. And I was actually in a really bad mood. But even in that moment is like a spirit led moment to where even though I didn't feel like it, I knew that God was wanting to do something. And here, months later, like seeing just the opportunity. If, uh, when you watch this, I'm I'm literally was like so blessed when when uh, when you told me that. And what I'm getting at is that when when we live in spirit led walks, like you don't even you can't, you don't even expect the the engagements and uh, and amazing things that are able to happen when you live a spirit led walk. And so uh, closing on that. Um, I want to just thank you guys for being a part. And maybe in this in this talk today, you feel like you need to start living a spirit-led life. I, we really need to just go through this and and do what you got to do. Um, be be um, be ready to be ready to look at the avenues God speaks to you. Align yourself and really start acting on God's word be find it in resting in him and through just doing the right thing and being ready to obey and act uh, if if you maybe today at some point you said man I need to make the first step and get connected with Jesus all you have to do is start with the conversation with him and 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 speak to him just like we're saying and just the real person that you are and the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is then surely you shall be saved. It's not that complicated. And so if that's you and you want more help walking through that, just message us. We'd love to connect with you. And if you want to partner with Gravetop and help us to continue to give messages like these, continue to reach more people, you really help make a difference. Maybe you, like you've been tuning online for a while and you want to start making Gravetop Church your home church, the church that you tithe to. You can do that by going on to Gravetop.com, click the Give tab, and it tells you how you can give online. You can give through three third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. You can even text to give. And we would love to just uh, to connect with you, especially those of y'all who want to connect through your giving. You help us to continue the message, uh, and you make a difference. You are what helps us to reach others. So that being said, we love y'all. We hope y'all have a great rest of your night. Um, be sure to like and share and comment, and we can't wait to see y'all next week. Have a great night. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.